Hey everybody, welcome to the Eat for Endurance podcast. My name is Claire Shorenstein. I'm a registered dietitian based in New York City, and I am excited to be recording my first episode post-baby. My baby girl Isla is seven weeks old today actually, and I'm living on the edge here trying to record an episode while she is well into a nap, and let me just say she's not napping that great, so if I run off mid-episode, then you know why, or if you hear some baby cries, forgive me. Uh, Today is uh, an exciting day. We're going to be doing some more Ask Me Anything questions. I have some leftover questions from that first round that I got from you guys um, a few months ago when I launched my podcast. And I also have a few new ones that you guys uh, sent to me when I put out a post on Instagram, Twitter, etc. So thank you for that. And please keep those questions coming. This is going to be a regular series and I would love to hear all of your questions. So it is you know, late November right now, we're of course about to go into Thanksgiving and the holidays. I know that brings a lot of stress and nutrition questions for sure for many people. Um, So why don't we just begin here with a question from Brittany, who's from New York City. And she asks, uh, you know, what if our families aren't active or eating the way you're used to? How do you combat it, handle those environments or negative feedback? And another similar question that's along kind of the same lines, recommendations on how to navigate family foods or eating so not to eat to the point of too much or restrict. For example, some family dynamics are, um, you know, it's considered rude not to finish your plate or my in-laws are Italian, so I'm continually offered food. I'm Jewish, so I get that. Uh, we also continually offer food. So um, so in, in the context of the holidays, I think this is really relevant for many listeners, I'm sure. So a, a few things here. So if you, that number one question, if your families aren't active or eating the way you're used to, you know, let's say you're going to relatives uh, house, you know, over the weekend or whatever it is, um, you know, first of all, it's a temporary thing. Just a reminder, you know, no one meal, one day, one weekend, even one week really is going to make a huge difference in your, you know, eating, diet, you know, training, whatever you want to call it. It's a temporary thing. Um, So obviously we can't always control the situations we're in. We're just really doing our best. And, you know, so, so make sure that you're listening to your body. You're choosing the things that most appeal to you. Sometimes we don't have any options that are appealing or good, you know, take travel, for instance, you know, I'm sure everyone's been in an airport or wherever else or weird parts of the world where, you know, there just aren't the best food options. You just do your best. Okay. Um, And try not to stress too much about it. Again, it's a temporary thing. It's a drop in the bucket. Uh, when you look at the overall picture. Um, But that said, you can prepare. So if you're traveling, if you're going to an unusual environment, whether it's a family environment, travel environment, whatever it is, you know, you can bring some of your favorite snacks if you want. I've had clients, um, you know, not that you want to exert too much effort in planning and all of that. But, you know, if you're traveling for work, if you're traveling um, for pleasure, whatever it is, if there's a grocery store, you can stop by, pick up some things. You know, I've had clients who are staying with in-laws who just don't have food in the house or don't have food that they like in the house. And they, you know, swing past a grocery store and pick up some things. So even if it's just like some eggs or whatever, uh, so they have something for breakfast, you know, so if that makes you feel better just to have something, you know, like a snack or whatever, um, yeah, bring that along. And as long as that's not stressful for you, then go for it. Um, In terms of negative feedback, negative comments, I know a lot of the time, you know, we get comments from our family members, you know, aunts, uncles, mothers, whoever, um, you know, comments on our body. And that's really hard. 
it's really hard to hear, oh, you gained some weight or, oh, you lost, even you lost weight or, you know, asking anything. And, and those comments really are inappropriate. You know, people, it happens all the time, but, you know, people really should not be making comments on your body that are not asked for. And usually you're not asking for those comments. Uh, try your best to just take those comments in stride. Um, sometimes it's really not even worth the emotional energy to respond. You can just simply smile and move on and ignore it. I know that's really hard sometimes. If it's a particularly nasty comment or one that really hurts you or bothers you, um, you know, and it warrants a response, stand up for yourself. And of course, it's going to depend on who it's coming from. If it's your mother, your father, your sister, brother, you know, someone a little bit closer to you, perhaps a best friend, um, you know, maybe you really need to say, you know, you know what, when you make those comments, it really stresses me out. You know, I've been struggling with food and body image issues or whatever the, the you know situation is. Just be honest with them how it makes you feel when they make comments on your body. Maybe they're not aware. Maybe they are. But it, it's not necessarily a bad thing to communicate that to them and say that you'd appreciate if they would stop. Um, you know, if it's someone that isn't Maybe it's just like a friend of the family or someone that you're not really close to and you feel kind of awkward. Again, maybe it's just not worth the emotional energy to respond. Maybe you do want to say and just say, please don't make comments on my body. Um, and that's it. You know, just one sentence, short and sweet, um, and move on or walk away or whatever it is. Uh, so I know it's a tough situation. Just just do your best to kind of navigate that. Um that second, that second part, you know, navigating family foods and trying not to restrict, trying not to eat too much. Thanksgiving, man, it's tough. Uh, I certainly have been in many situations where I've eaten way too much, been way too full. There's so much good food around. I don't feel so great. We've all been there. And you know what? It's not the end of the world if you do that. Like, it's Thanksgiving. Not to say that you want to that's your goal, you know? Um, you know, we certainly don't want to be feeling that way. If it happens, it's not the end of the world. Again, it's one meal. Um, but, you know, one one way you can obviously avoid that is slowing down, you know, continually checking in with yourself, your body, you know, looking at all of the foods available, trying to think, you know, what do I actually want to eat? What is appealing to me? Um, you know, with family dynamics, oh, I, I made this just for you and it's something you don't really want. You know, just take a little bit. Um, and and in terms of you know feeling like you're being impolite by refusing something, you know, if it, it just just stand your ground, be persistent. You know, be appreciative but firm. State how delicious the food was, how much you enjoyed it. You're really appreciative, but you're really satisfied right now, and you don't have room for any more, or you want to save room for dessert, or whatever it is that you feel like saying. Um, you don't have to please everybody. That is not your job. You know, you, you, with the holidays. It's a it's a stressful time. It's a joyous time, but it's a stressful time. And your job is really not to make everyone happy. It's to take af look after yourself and take care of yourself also. So really do remember that. Um, let you know your body be your guide in terms of what you actually want to eat and enjoy. If it's the holidays and there's a really special dish that you look forward to every single year, enjoy that. And if like you're really not into the stuffing or the potatoes or whatever else your family's pushing on you, just say no thank you. And again, be, you know, do it with a smile, be positive, but be firm. Um, again, you have control of your body. What goes into your body is absolutely your decision, not anyone else's. Um, so that's what I have to say about that. Um, and uh, I know it's, again, a tough time, but I hope everyone really enjoys their holiday meals. I 
I will just say briefly, you know, Thanksgiving is one of my favorite holidays. I usually go home to California to be with my family, but this year my, um, well, I have a seven week old, so we're not traveling anywhere. Also, my parents are renovating their house and have no room for us. So, uh, so we are staying in New York City this year and we're doing a Friendsgiving with two of my close mom friends who have toddlers that are the same age as my daughter, Arielle, and they just have babies and both kids are within a month of each other. So all three families are getting together for a chaotic and absolutely wonderful, joyous celebration. I cannot wait. We're hiring a personal chef. It should be fun. Um, so yeah, lots of good food, lots of good times, friends. It should be a nice one. So I hope everyone has a wonderful holiday as well. Let's move on to one last question from Brittany. How much time does it take to recover from a marathon and what are things that we can do to aid this process? So it is kind of the end of marathon season. We just, you know, recently had Chicago, Berlin, and most recently New York City. Uh, Philadelphia Marathon is this weekend. So lots of good stuff going on. So, I mean, there's no real formula here um, in terms of recovery. It's, you know, many people feel great a few days afterwards and can kind of ease back into some easy short miles. Other people take a full week off and really gradually ease into it. Other people run another marathon the next week, which I wouldn't necessarily advise. Um, but I would say it probably takes the body, uh, you know, at least a couple weeks, a few weeks to truly recover just, you know, physiologically. And um, in terms of what you can do, I mean, number one, please make sure you rest. You know, do make sure you're taking at least a few days off, if not a full week, to just rest and recover. And this rest is not just physical, it's mental, guys. So, you know, really, really make sure you, you just did this huge training cycle. It's a lot of physical and mental effort, and you want to just relax and rest and enjoy yourself and eat lots of yummy foods and get some good nutrition in you. Maybe, you know, you are itching to exercise. You'll do some walking, something low impact, cross training, whatnot, stretching. If you are really eager to run, um, I know personally, if I run a Sunday marathon, usually Wednesday, Thursday, I'm doing, I don't know, two, three miles, nice and easy, if it feels good. That's the really big asterisk there. If it feels good to you. If something's really, like there's one thing to be sore, but if something's really not feeling right, do not run, please. Just take your time easing back into it. Think big picture here. Um, so yeah, so I think just making sure you're staying on top of your nutrition because obviously we need some good uh, good foods in there to help the recovery process. You're getting some good sleep. Of course, our immunity is suppressed after a big effort like this. A lot of people get sick, so please do take care of yourself. Wash your hands, get lots of rest, You know, get lots of fluids in you, et cetera. Um, and yeah, and maybe do some easy training. I always love um, to have you know, just a break from running, like maybe you're doing a little bit of running, but maybe you're, if you love lifting weights or if you love spinning or some other form of exercise, now's your chance to really enjoy that. Especially if you're doing a spring race, you don't want to just like go like steamroll into the next training cycle without any kind of break whatsoever. Give yourself again, that mental break to do something a little different. It doesn't mean you have to completely take a break. You know, you can still be really active, but maybe you're doing something that is a little bit different. So you're not burning out on running, which you know, a lot of people are at risk of. I certainly have been there where I'm just kind of slogging through the miles. Um, you want to be excited about the race that you're doing. That's going to get the best results. You don't want to just be putting all this pressure on yourself and then just trying to like muscle through the workouts and feeling like crap. So, you know, make sure you're taking this time, even if it's just a few weeks to just like chill out and go easy on yourself. Um, all right. So let's move on 
to a question from Kathy, who's from Southern California. She says, I would love to hear nutrition information for women in their 50s. I want to age gracefully, but I struggle with body changes and fighting to get rid of the middle and keep it off. Oh, that's the doorbell. We're just going to ignore that because I forgot to put my little recording sign on. (laughs) Baby brain. Anyways, um, yeah, so I would love to do an episode on this, actually. I think that would be a wonderful topic. So I will definitely try to line up a dietitian on that. And funny enough, the person who I got on, Lauren Antonucci, to do the Fueling Young Athletes is writing a book on master's athletes. And so I will have her back on to go on the other end and talk about um, you know nutrition for older, uh, older people who are active. So we'll definitely keep that going there. Um, but yeah, just some quick things. Obviously, as we age, our um, our metabolism slows down. I have a lot of women complaining about how it's really tough just losing weight and keeping it off. And, you know, they're doing the same things and it's just not cutting it. Um, and, you know, they, they really struggle with that. So I think one of the things I often encourage people, especially people who are active but not really doing any strength training, is certainly to make sure that some form of strength training is in your routine because, of course, when we're building some muscle, that helps build up your metabolism. Um, and, and it also, just functionally speaking, is is good for injury prevention um, and maintaining lean body mass, which as you age also is is decreasing. It also helps with your bones, which is another concern as you age, you know, keeping them nice and strong. Um, so in terms of nutrition for women in their 50s, that's a bit of a big topic. So I'm going to just kind of throw it out there. Let's like table that for a, a full like dedicated episode for I'll try to get that into season two, which I hope will be coming out sometime in early 2020. You know, doing these episodes, um, you know, interviews, prepping for them, editing them, publishing them is a lot of work. So I'm still navigating that with having this young child and very limited childcare right now. So, um, but I'll try to get that in there for you. She also asked to hear about nutrition for young athletes, which is what's inspired that episode I did with Lauren Antonucci. Check it out. It's a really awesome episode. Um, so if you have, you know, kids or, you know, who are athletes in high school or younger or older collegiate athletes, whatever it is, I really want you to check that episode out. And of course, if you have further questions on this topic, please send them over. I'd love to address anything that's a little bit more specific. All right. Last but not least, we have a question from Samantha, who's from Astoria, New York, and she's training for her second marathon. And I apologize. This is a very belated response to this question. So I have a feeling you've already run your second marathon because I got this question, I believe, back in September or even August. Um, But yeah, let's talk about it. She says, if I am starving the day after a tough workout, is that a sign that I was under fueling? For example, Tuesday night, I run five miles at half marathon pace plus warm up and cool down. Wednesday morning, I wake up and have my normal breakfast at 6.30 a.m. of oatmeal with nut butter and fruit, but at 10 a.m., I am ravenous and feel like I already need to eat lunch, which I usually eat at 11.30 or 12. All right, so yes, I do think that may be a sign that you're underfeeling, um, especially if it's a really hard training day. You know, obviously, if you're working harder on that day, you need more to eat. <laughs> you need more energy and more calories. Also, you know, 6.30 to 10 a.m. is not nothing. That's a really good chunk of time. And if you're eating breakfast that early, I would highly recommend, especially for someone who's training for a marathon, very active, you know, burning lots of calories on a daily basis, 
I would recommend a mid-morning snack. I think that's a really good idea. So one way to address this is if you're getting hungry at 10 a.m., although I don't want you being ravenous, maybe, you know, get to that. Maybe it's more like 9.30 when you're just hungry and not ravenous. You know, you're having a nice balanced snack um, that satisfies you, and then you can shift lunch a little bit later until you're hungry again. Um, I'm a firm believer in, you know, in snacking. You know, there's a difference between structured snacking um, or snacking that is helpful versus just mindless grazing when you're not really hungry and you're just kind of eating whatever and then you're spoiling your appetite, et cetera. That's a whole different thing. But for people who are active or even those who are not that active, you know, structured snacking is really important because, you know, let's say you ate lunch and this is the most common one. Like mid-morning snack, I always say is optional, but I always say that afternoon snack is really, really important. Um, I mean, obviously, if you're not hungry for it, fine. But most people are going this like super long stretch, sometimes like seven, eight hours, especially if you're commuting home or whatever the situation is, you're eating lunch at 12 and you're not eating dinner until eight or something. If you're working out at night or even if you just have this really long stretch of time, I don't want you to be ravenous when you get home and then like just be like, oh my God, I don't know what to eat and I'm going to have a bowl of cereal or whatever else, you know? Um, You know, I want you to fuel yourself in the afternoon that will boost productivity and help you with whatever you're doing during that day at work, et cetera. And that way you're getting to dinner and you have an appetite, but you're not so hungry that like you can't see straight, you know? So I I typically say try not to go more than four or five hours without eating. Again, this isn't a food rule. It's just a guideline for you to check in with yourself and say, hmm, you know, maybe I need to eat something. Maybe you're hungry after two or three hours, you know, depending on who you are and what's going on. But, you know, maybe you're hungry after four or five hours. Uh, it, It really just depends on you. So that's kind of my take on that um, and and to just kind of keep checking in with your appetite there. I've talked about before, sometimes your appetite is not always 100% reliable, for instance, after a long run, um, or if you're really, really tired, you know, sometimes we're just all messed up. Um, But, you know, I think it's still something that you want to take a look at. So taking a look at those physical signs and cues, and then also taking a look at um, objectively, like what's going on here? Because if you're running, you know, a lot of miles per week and you look at, oh, wow, I've objectively eaten very little today. That's not good. What's going on? That's a red flag, you know, to kind of dig a little deeper. So we're always kind of taking the subjective and the objective together when it comes to sports nutrition. All right. Second part of your question, and this is the last question of this episode. I have heard that women need to consume protein consume protein for post-workout sooner than men do. Sorry, I can't talk right now. (laughs) That women have a shorter window of time to get that protein in for it to be most effective for recovery. Is that true? Uh, I have not heard that. Um, I don't know. I'm curious to hear where you heard that, and I'll try to dig up your email that you sent me. Maybe you can point that, you know, me in that direction. But personally, I've not heard that. Um, So I, I, I think that you know, just trying to get your recovery nutrition in that includes protein and carbs and salts and fluids. Again, it's not just all about protein. Um, you know, ideally within that 60 minute time window where we're really focusing on, you know, um, on recovery, that's ideal for both sexes. (laughs) But, but yeah, I mean, if I find, if I find information otherwise, I certainly will let you know. But as of this moment, I was not aware of that or I have not read that anywhere. Um, she also asked, can you recommend some good post-workout foods and snacks that are good to have on hand when you are not finishing a workout at home and can just walk into the kitchen? 
Good question, because a lot of my clients are, say, like doing track workouts with their running group, like way far from home, and they're, they hop on the train for like an hour and a half or whatever it is. Um, so I'd say things like bars that contain some protein in them. Um, I personally love RX bars. I'm not, again, I'm not sponsored by anybody. It's just something I, I enjoy having, although I have received some samples from them. Um, but there are lots of bars out there. Um, so some sort of bar, you could do like a pre-made smoothie or a recovery drink of some kind. Um, one of my go-tos, again, I get lots of samples from them, Tailwind, but I do love their product. But there are lots out there. Um, maybe some nuts or, you know, you can get a single serving of a nut butter packet. Um, again, RX Bar makes one that has a little bit additional protein in there because it has some egg whites. So that's, I think it's like nine grams of protein in there. So that's a good one. Uh, you can make yourself a sandwich and kind of wrap it in tinfoil. You could do fruit and a yogurt, fruit and cheese, fruit and nuts. Again, it kind of depends on what the situation is. Like, are you hopping into a car and could you keep something in a cooler or at least like throw something in there so you don't have to carry it? Or are you, you know, or do you have to carry what your nutrition is? Or can you pop into a deli if you're in a city? It kind of depends on what that situation is. Um, you're from New York, of course, so I, I presume you're not in a car and you could just pop into a deli or put something into a workout bag or whatever. Um, so I think those are just some ideas like PB&J or like a half turkey sandwich or my go-to is always like a fruit um, and yogurt or fruit and nuts or something like that but um, or a recovery drink. So lots of options there. That wraps it up, guys. Wow, 20-ish minutes. The baby is miraculously still asleep. I can't believe it. <laughs> I'm very lucky here. Um, but wishing you guys all a really, really happy Thanksgiving. I'm going to try to get this episode out before the holiday. And again, any questions for me, please email me eatforendurance at gmail.com. I have one more episode lined up for you guys for this first season of the podcast. And I'm going to start recording in a couple of weeks. Um, season two. I, again, I'm a little nervous about how I'm going to find the time to prep for these interviews, do the interviews, you know, of course, without the baby making noise and editing them, publishing all that stuff. But I'm going to really try to squeeze it in there um, in between all my client work um, because I've gotten really great feedback from you guys. So thank you for listening. And if you haven't already, as I've asked before, please rate and review me on iTunes. I'd really appreciate it. Share, share the podcast if you enjoy it. And of course, um, you know, this is a just kind of for fun project right now. I don't have any sponsors or anything like that. So if you really enjoy it, want to keep it going and feel like contributing, I'd love for you to donate to my Patreon page, which there will be a link in the show notes. So thanks guys. Happy holidays and I'll see you guys soon.